As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that's craving a giant soft pretzel right now for some reason, it's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sip Pop Weekly, streaming live most Fridays are available to download later in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. You know, I used to work at Annie Ann's. I'm your <laughs> host, Aaron Dicer, and get this man a ballerina and a plumber. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Ahoy. Each week, we'll chat about movies, TV, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week. She can't wait to try a breakfast-flavored ice cream sandwich. It's Susan Kamyab-Stevens. <laughs> Woo! Hi. Welcome, that sounds Susan. so gross, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. Pretzels and ice cream sandwiches. Uh, that is just a, a smattering of the foods that were in the movies we saw this week. Yeah. Uh, actually, both of those were in the same movie. Uh, so, uh, so yes, we are talking about Magic Mike's Last Dance and Somebody I Used to Know on Amazon Prime today. Um, so those are the movies. How is everybody doing? Susan, how you been? It's been a hot second. How are things going? That's good. It's oddly been so busy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like that's, I mean, it's really, I don't feel like we got like that usual downtime with uh, movies in, in January. Like February is a really busy f movie month. Yeah. I think there's a lot of great releases, especially with even the streaming going on, but been doing well. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, anytime there is a time where generally movies kind of take a little bit of a quality break, the streamers are going, mm, maybe I could go there and, yeah. you know, find some audience. Plus, there's just so much content. and There is. And so much content that has been delayed and is finally getting out. And a lot of the stuff you're seeing right now, I think, in fact, both of these, maybe not Magic Mike's Last Dance. I, I should look that up to be sure. But I know somebody I used to know was written during the pandemic and um, that basically Allison Brie and Dave Franco were like, hey, let's write something together while we're cooped up. And uh, and that's where Art. it came from. So. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of we're seeing a lot of that right now. Like a lot of the the uh, the ways people were productive when they were locked down are now ready to go. Hey, world, check it out! And so there's just there's going to be that glut for a little bit, I think, um, as we kind of find whatever the new balance is uh, in the world. But you're not wrong. It's been an interesting uh, winter, uh, early early mm -hmm. year. So 
So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. As the was the CCA date uh, was that right around the same time it normally happens, or was it pushed? It's back, back to or? normal. It was back, back to normal. It's back then. to normal. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So because I didn't know if that was like playing a factor in why you thought like things were so hectic still even afterwards. Usually after usually between CCA and Oscars uh and, and this year has been this way for me too. It's just I I can't get out of my old patterns. I'm watching the movies yeah. as they come out, but between CCAs and Oscars, I am usually catching up on TV because there are, yeah. there's like a 3 month process where I'm just watching nonstop movies, you know, towards the end of the year to make sure I've seen everything. And mm-hmm. I just stop watching television. And so anything, any of my shows that I like or or whatever shows that I would like that come out during that time, I have no concept of until, you know, the end of January. So, mm-hmm. you know, so for the last three weeks or so, I've been really binging a lot of TV and enjoying some stuff. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it becomes becomes interesting in that way. Um, yeah, we do get a little break after the show is over. I mean. Mm-hmm pretty much watched everything Oscars has. Oh, it's a, I, I, I am watching the shorts right now. I want to watch all the shorts. Oh, so I can, yeah. mm-hmm. I try to predict the ballot. Uh huh. Yes. And <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that Susan, because that leads right into this announcement. You can, <laughs> uh, you can make your Sposkers pick right now. Uh, if you go to sifpop.com and click on Sposkers, uh, you can pick in all the categories. Uh, we usually have a hundred or so people uh, who pick, including a lot of our "quote unquote" experts who are on the show, uh, including Susan, uh, who has filled out yeah. a ballot on that a couple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm the "quote unquote." <laughs> you're not the "quote." You usually win this game, Andrew, so you don't get to be. You the win quote- it. I always wonder who wins the Sposkers. I am terrible at most things when it comes to this show. I'm just going to go ahead and blatantly say that. Like whenever it comes to the Summer Sum game Mm -hmm. or Emmys, I never Mm -hmm. get anything right. But Oscars, that's my jam. I don't know why. It's the only thing I can predict right every single year. You get like the full ballot, right? Like you don't miss one? Oh, I'll miss like one or two. Nobody's ever gotten a full ballot. Uh, The highest anybody has ever gotten is uh, to miss... Two. I think that's the highest uh, that anybody has. No, wait, there's 23 categories now. There used to be 24, but the sound categories went together. So I think there's 23 now. So I think it was one. I think there there was a single miss uh, from someone last year. Uh, Andrew, you missed three last year. Uh, But one, the... the battle between us uh, that happens. We are three and three since we've been doing this. Uh, Andrew has won three. I've won three in our head to head. And oftentimes it comes down to the last category. Time. Yeah. Well, time. It comes down to the tiebreaker actually. Yeah. Which is time of broadcast. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of fun. If you want to play, uh, play along uh, on Oscars Sunday, which I believe is what the twelfth of March. The twelfth yeah. of March mm-hmm. yeah. this March year, we will do a live reaction broadcast to the Oscars with uh, several of the Sif Pop writers and people who are in town. Uh, we do a full Sif Pop weekend where we watch every single nominated uh, movie for Best Picture over the course of three days, and then culminate with a the live show. During that live show, we will update live uh, who's ahead, the winners, all that kind of stuff on this contest. So uh, if you're interested in playing along, go to sifpop.com and click on Sposkers and fill that out. You will have up until March 12th to fill it out, the morning of March 12th. Um, But get it in early so you don't forget. Uh, Well, with that in mind, let's head on to the movies we're going to review today. 
Let's kick it off with Magic Mike's Last Dance. What did you want before Miami? I just wanted to escape my life. I need you. Do you like bartending? It's not really what I do. What is it that you really do? But then you came along and gave me this unexpected, magical moment that made me remember who I really was. Mike Lane takes to the stage again after a lengthy hiatus following a business deal that went bust, leaving him broke and taking bartender gigs in Florida. For what he hopes will be one last hurrah, Mike heads to London with a wealthy socialite who lures him with an offer he can't refuse and an agenda all of her own. Magic Mike's Last Dance uh, really just brings back Channing Tatum from the the people we kind of know from the others with maybe some... uh, some cameos. Uh, Salma Hayek stepping in uh, to play the other main role in this. Uh, what did you guys think about Magic Mike's Last Dance? Uh, this, of course, is the third Magic Mike movie after Magic Mike and uh, XXL. Soderbergh directed the first one, but not the second one, but is back directing this one. Um, what do you think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Susan, your thoughts first. I liked it. Nice. Andrew. Uh, I am going to mostly be talking about the things I don't like in this movie, but honestly, <laughs> I had such, like the, the experience of going to this movie was probably one of the most fun I've ever had. So uh-huh. I'm going to go with liked it. All right. Aaron, you, you, Aaron missed out on the best theater experience of his life by two rows. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will say it's interesting. Um, I guess I'll, I'll go ahead and say that for me, it was on the low side of just okay. I did not, uh, I did not like this movie. Um, okay. But it's fine. Uh, Soderbergh doesn't make bad movies. He just doesn't. He knows how to make, you know, uh, tell really good stories. But I will say the first Magic Mike movie was one of the most interesting movie going experiences I ever had. Uh, it was me and probably 150 uh, women. And it was one of the rowdiest crowds I've ever been in. Yeah. And it's what's really interesting about the original Magic Mike experience is that was not the movie Soderbergh was making. He was he was not making a celebration of flesh movie. He was making a movie about how dark and extreme that world can be. It was not a feel-good movie. And yet the crowds were treating it like a Chippendales performance, right? Because of the dancing and the stripping, which is amazing, amazing athletically, amazing sensually, like it's it's you know, super sexy. But at the same time, Soderbergh was trying to draw a comparison of that sexiness to the underbelly, right? So that was a really weird experience. Then Magic Mike XXL comes out. And that is one where they're like, oh, we're going to embrace what the crowd thought Magic Mike was going to (laughs) be, right? Like, we're just going to make it fun, and we're going to have these crazy choreographed dance numbers, and it's going to be wild. So it's interesting to see Soderbergh come back and then go, okay, let's take what XXL did, but then adjust it to a more what I wanted to do. So you can kind of almost see him trying to balance those things. I don't know it completely works. Um, but man, the Magic Mike trilogy is a is just a really interesting exploration of how the audience can define 
uh, content more than even the creators can. And um, it's it's just, it's really been interesting to see. But you guys like this movie more than me. Um, and Susan, it sounds like you maybe liked it the most. So we'll, we'll let you kind of kick it off. Tell us about some of the things you liked about Magic Mike's Last Dance. Well, I just, I've, I've watched all three and I, I like watching them all at press screenings because the first two did have, they brought in actual strippers that like came into the crowd before the show started. <laughs> Not that like I cared for that part. I was just like, it really got the crowd going uh-huh. and exactly like a crowd reaction. This one, um, they brought uh, male guys or whatever to they weren't, I don't know if they were strippers, but you could take photos with them if you wanted. Male guys, like um, mailmen, like postal yeah. service. Uh, no, <laughs> like, like they were, I was going to say male dancers, but if they were, they didn't really dance. They just like, like were shirtless and taking got pictures. It, got it. Yeah. But Beef and giving like roses. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it was in a really nice theater and they encouraged, which isn't my favorite, but they encouraged the crowd to be reactive. They literally said, don't hold it in. That's what the movie's become. Yeah. 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 So I was like, great. So they definitely didn't. I mean, there was somebody who just kept saying, woo, from like nothing, nothing happened. It wasn't even dancing. Here's the interesting thing too. Even during this movie, you will hear that the movie itself is creating sound from the surround as if it's audience sound. The that movie. is my number oh, one yes. pro. That's my number one pro for this movie. So there's like the shooting and hollering and clapping and stuff I, that feels like it's coming from your audience, even though it's yes. not. It's it's. A I weird did thing. notice that, yeah. Yeah. which did help. Um, but yeah, overall, like the first, I didn't mind the first Magic Mike. I thought it was okay. I did think it was dark. I was surprised because you're right. It was very it's dark. A weird it was not one. a happy. It's, yeah, it's a weird one. It's not a happy story. I hated the second one. It was so repetitive. No storyline. Bore. And then I think this is, I think they finally met its full potential with this one. I think they picked an interesting story, like interesting enough for what their goal is. They start with a great, like, effective dance scene, solo, whatever you want to call effective. it, intimate dancing. That's, that's a nice way to say it. it. Effective. I mean, it's it's your hook. It's your like, whoa, here's what we're in for. All right. And then they just sprinkle in a little dancing, not so much until this big finale where it builds up. And then I feel like it's earned and I want it. Like I craved it. I was like, yes, give me all the dancing now. I'm ready for it. <laughs> so, I mean, and and I thought Selma Hayek was incredible. I mean, the, the women were gawking over Channing Tatum. I was gawking over her because I think <laughs> she's stunning. And, and I did like the whole, even though ultimately it's still a guy that's saving the day. I like trying to give the power back to the women, including women in the show. And um, so that was, that was fine. Anderson thoughts. I don't want to jump into the negatives right away, but what's what well, uh, you already said, you're going to yeah. only talk about negatives to a movie you liked. So, yeah, yeah. but I do want to, uh, before I get into the positives that I have, cause I do have positives. Um, I want to uh, go off something that Susan just said about how it's a guy saving the day. And I think mm-hmm. that that's my biggest issue with this movie yeah. is I think that the messaging in this movie is so muddled and unsure of itself because the entire messaging of this movie, they're telling you the whole thing is uh, empowering women and let, letting mm-hmm. women, you know, choose their own fate. Yet this entire movie is predicated on Mike. Yeah. You know, I'm like, it's, it's a c- conflicting messaging of what you're telling the movie and what you're actually execution of the movie is doing it's a uh, 
But I did think that that kind of part was... Since, since you're there, can I go a little further on this? It is one of my main negatives as well. Mm-hmm. I, I also feel like the movie doesn't do a good enough job at teaching us why Salma Hayek is that character. Like, it, yeah. does not ex- it does not explain or expound on her in a deep enough way for, uh, for it to be her movie, right? Like, it doesn't give us yeah. enough... Uh, it gives us details, like it gives us mm-hmm. plot information and backstory information, but it doesn't. It never feels like, like if I'm being honest, I don't know that I really like Selma Hayek's character during this movie, uh, at least until maybe the very end. But uh, even on a plot sense and a character sense, the things they're doing with that character are they don't give us a lot of time to see the nuance in in what that character should be. I th- we're just told you know, the, her, the details of her life, and we're supposed to extrapolate what that means to the character, but we don't really get to feel it from her, to have that scene where we really understand how deeply this conflict lives in her about what it means to be a woman and to be wealthy, but only wealthy because you're attached to a man or to try to be a mom. The the whole mom stuff, this movie doesn't go... like. There, I, I was really, really shocked at how surface level we are in the actual exploring of her character for a movie that's trying yeah. to say what it's trying to say. I wish they did dig deeper on that. Just The mom stuff I could have let go more so that I, I felt like they were building her up to be the hero, like to be mm-hmm. the one to save the day. So that was the one thing I didn't care for how she just kind of like gave up there in the end. And like I said, like the guy saves the day. So that's kind of annoying um, because I was liking her character. I I actually didn't know if I should trust her character. I was like, watch her be like a villain in all this. So I know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think she was kind of a villain for most of the movie. And, 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 And we didn't get to see the nuance to go, wait, but maybe maybe she's misunderstood. Like I never I never felt like she had that scene. So, well, yeah. I think it's because the movie fails so spectacularly in its antagonist. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that if if we're if we're to believe not getting into too many spoilers, but if we're to believe that the husband is the antagonist, mm-hmm. I had more screen time than that guy did. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Wait, I you mean, were in this movie? That's amazing. Yeah, I was in the background apparently, but uh, no. But seriously, I think that if you have a uh, a villain, you can't just reference the villain. You have to actually yeah. show them doing something, and I think that's filmmaking one hundred and one. I mean. I don't know how you messed right. that up. So, yeah. but right. here's my biggest pro for the movie. Going back to pros, was the actual movie going experience itself? Because, yeah, l- like I alluded to earlier, Aaron missed out on the best movie going experience of his life by two rows, <laughs> because he was behind me by two rows. But when I walked into the theater, my seat was right in the middle. They have the assigned seating at this theater. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know some people are like, why? Why does that matter? But it will. So my assigned seat was in between a group of sorority girls. Uh, they mm. were just on one side. And on the other side was five, at least each of them were above 90. 90-year-old. 90? No, I'm not even joking. These were white like nursing home, I, 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 I'm not trying to be mean, but I, I'm also not trying to be hyperbolic. It's the fact that these were incredibly old women who, like, had like crocheted blankets that they were holding. But I tell you, they were hooting and hollering more than 
anybody. I was cracking <laughs> up. The sorority girls were cracking up. And since those older women were going, woo, and stuff like that, it made the other sorority girls, they were like, yeah, woo. Especially there's a scene in this movie where it's three more mature women you know, uh, getting dances and stuff. And I tell you, those 90 year old women who are to <laughs> my left, they, it was like they were in seventh heaven and mm-hmm. it just gave me the biggest smile on my face. And that's why I'm like, objectively, I can look at this movie and notice all the flaws. But if you ask me, did I have a good time watching this movie? Then it is a 100% yes because. <laughs> Yeah, I, the the going experience. I I know I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. If I had not seen this in theaters in that setting, I would be coming in here saying, "Guys, that's not a good movie. I did not like it." <laughs> but no, they 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 helped make it one of the best movie going experiences I've ever had. Yeah, so I don't know if I can be truly objective. Yeah. Much, it's fun. I almost That's, said we had some hooters yeah. and hollerers, but that could be taken incorrectly. Uh, some <laughs> hooting people and some hollering people uh, in my row as well. Um, and again, it's such a strange evolution for for what this movie is. Um, and the, I, in, there are many ways. And Susan, I know you didn't like XXL. And I don't, I no. don't know that I really enjoyed it all that much either. Mm-hmm. But, I hated that one. But I will tell you, of the three movies, I think it does the best at capturing that idea of really just giving the audience what they want. Um, uh, so, Because the first one, again, super dark. And yeah. this one is much more interested in its central relationship than it really is in... The flesh, you know, the celebration of flesh. It's all there. The, I mean, you know, the dance yeah. routines are definitely there. Um, but yeah. Anyhow, some other things you guys liked. I think the dancing was probably the best in this. That's one my main. Too. That's just, my main pro. Is that's the just because they. I feel like they were like, you know what? Let's bring some step up quality dancers mm-hmm. into this, and that's another reason why I liked it because I actually, even though step up franchise movies are not my favorite, you can if you allow yourself to just like get entranced by the dance moves they're really impressive oh yeah and i thought there were some real there was really good choreography in this movie yeah it was this um, this movie was one of the yeah. the best episodes of so you think you can dance i've ever seen exactly yeah. exactly <laughs> well there's an entire montage in the middle of this movie but uh i will say i uh, i should have said this in the very beginning this is the only magic mike movie i've seen i haven't seen the first oh. two so and i was yeah, trying watch a second yeah i was trying to uh okay yeah you you've really uh you've really uh, made me question whether I want to go and watch the first two or not. But- <laughs> the first one's not bad. I think the first one was like solid. It's it's so different than what the yeah. movies have become. And that's um, interesting because I wonder if I would have seen this one first and then gone back to see the first two if I would have been like, wait, these aren't the same movies at all. Like, what am I? It's just I this- there's, a, there's a real cognitive dissonance when you start thinking about these movies of like, because... Honestly, there are things in the first movie where you watch and you go, they say the opposite things that the second two movies say. Like, you know, they are mm-hmm. they they have different worldviews, like completely different mm-hmm. worldviews. So it's 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 hard to reconcile these three movies as a trilogy. It really is. Yeah, they're so different. Mm-hmm. Like they don't feel they 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 really stand alone, each of them. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Uh, there's a dance scene at the very beginning of this movie. It might be like one of the sexiest 
yeah. like movie scenes this I've is, ever seen in my entire life. This is my other uh, another pro yeah. that I wanted to get to. Uh, uh-huh. Soderbergh gets sensuality. He gets it mm-hmm. so well. And the, I think one of the first times uh, I really realized it was watching Out of Sight. Um, the mm-hmm. The love scene in Out of Sight is so incredibly sensual and tactile. It's not explicit. Uh, in, in actually neither is any of the dancing in this movie, by the way, it's not like explicitly, uh, nude or anything like that. It is sex with clothes on, you know, the, the, the dances are, you know, basically having, I didn't even say basically it's having, it's every sexual position you could imagine, but with clothes on, you know, like it's, it's, uh, it's athletic sex with clothes on, uh, is what it is, but it's, it's not. Man, I just I just had a realization. The movies we're talking about today deal with the idea of sensuality and nudity in in mm. really specific and they make the same point in the exact opposite ways. That's really interesting. I sorry, that just that just came to me. <laughs> uh but Magic okay. Mike makes the point that you don't have to be naked to be sensual or even sexual. No. Like it's, you know, there's there's that thing and part of what the movie tends to be about is is that idea and he's so good at it he's so good at it i mean it is fire it's just fire yeah so yeah 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 that scene in the ballerina scene made me really appreciate the difficulty of this type of choreography mm-hmm. yeah yes. uh, definitely so you're mm-hmm. saying that this type of dance style isn't really in the first two movies no it, no i don't think so it's <sighs> It's no, not like it's, that. Not to that extent. No, no, no. Here, here's basically what it is. The the first movie, uh, and again, I know how different this sounds, but the first movie is about how false the idea is of presenting your body and those those kind of things. The second movie is almost the exact opposite, and it's about how celebratory it can be for women to break out of the repression of their lives and hoot and holler and just admire uh, the physicality of the the things that men are doing. And there is, I think, there's a chair dance or two in the second movie. A lot of chair dances. <laughs> there's a lot. It's so repetitive. But the, oh my but god! But the chair dances are different than the dances we're seeing here because chair. Yeah dances are still about almost a non-participatory idea of this. The dances we're seeing here, that first dance, the ballerina dance, and even these versions of the chair dances are much more about participation. They're much more about two people instead of one, right? Like, so, um, so yeah, it's it's different. Every single movie is, is different in that way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 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 Uh, Any other thoughts? Uh, I think that the, uh, oh, we can go to negatives. That's fine. (laughs) Uh, I think that the, the daughter character is so underutilated here. It's, Mm -hmm. oh yeah. uh, Pointless. We didn't even need her. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole side thing with the daughter and there's a side thing with the butler and everything. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like they were, they were, uh, they were characters that never fully, that were never fully realized but they were also written already to the point where, like, oh, I don't want to take them out. So it's like they're just there to move the mm-hmm. plot forward. They don't actually do anything. They're, they're decoration. The, yeah, that's a good I way would go so far as to say the only fully realized character in this movie is Mike. And a lot of that yeah. might be that we've seen him in other movies. This movie yeah. is not good about realizing its characters. Um, and... 
it makes the whole endeavor to me feel empty. I just feel an, an mm-hmm. emptiness about what's going on here. Like even like reading the plot synopsis, those kind of things. I'm like, yeah, those things kind of happen, I guess, but I like, I'm not invested in them in any way. I'm not, you know, uh, connecting to what it means to people. Also, weird situation where the motivation of the protagonist is not even really their motivation until they decide to make it their motivate. Like it's, it's a really strange setup to this movie that I don't, I don't think it does the characters much, uh, many favors, um, to what's going on here. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, other thoughts, anything else you guys want to say? No post-credits. I think pretty much that, that, I mean, I agree with you guys, but I feel like overall when it comes to these Magic Mike films, they, and they're smart to, to open them around Valentine's Day because Galentine's Day, girls love, when it wasn't Fifty Shades of Grey, this comes in and they love to just watch a movie that entertains. So they don't, most of my friends are probably not going to care about the story at all. Like I have friends right. who love the second sure. one. They're like, oh, the second one was great. <laughs> like, so I think, I think it'll, it's, I think it's doing its job because I don't think it necessarily cares about that, the story as much. But you're right. They, it, it could have, it could have done better with its characters. I guarantee you, Steven Soderbergh cares about the story. I just think he had a difficult time rectifying what the movies had become with his vision mm-hmm. of, you know, what the movies were. So, yeah, I, it's it's it, it's it's an interesting one for me. Um, yeah, I I think I think there is something to be said for a progression of society away from repression, uh, especially sexual repression. This idea that sex isn't something we can talk about, it isn't something we can know about. Like it's just we, you know, it it leads to. The it leads to people being closed off about a very real part of their life, and the idea that we can have entertainment that is safe and fun, a uh, way for women to you know let that go. I think even Channing Tatum has a a paragraph or you know in this movie about are you ready for uh, the waves of sexually repressed uh, you know women and how that's going to you know hit you. Um, and I think there is something to be said for exploring that, trying to understand that and trying to do better as a society about being more open about sexuality. Um, but at the end of the day, it's as a movie, it's just not a good movie. It's just not a good movie. Um, so it may be a good experience and it may be a fun experience, but this is not a good movie. I, in my opinion. No, 100% objectively, there's too many flaws with this movie. No, there's a lot of flaws. It's. I look, I'm looking at it as an entertaining standpoint. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, and that's fine. There's Again, nothing wrong with that. There, absolutely. Yeah. We talk about that all the time here. There are many different purposes that people have in watching content or experiencing content, and uh, entertainment is a perfectly valid reason to enjoy something. Um, so, so, yeah, there you go. That's uh, Magic Mike's Last Dance. Uh, as to yet to be seen, if it actually will be uh, the last right. dance. We'll see. Um, I'm guessing on what I've heard about the uh, returns on this one. I think it. I think it will be uh, Magic Mike's <laughs> last dance. Mm. Uh, all right, let's move on to our next movie. Um, somebody I used to know. Allie. Sean. Oh my God. 
What are you doing here? You know, I'm just visiting my old haunts on the off chance I might run into an ex from 10 years ago. How many have you run into so far? There she is. I still think about what would have happened if you hadn't left all those years ago. I've been kind of wondering the same thing recently. Like if maybe I made the wrong decision. On a trip to her hometown, workaholic Allie reminisces with her first love, Sean, and starts to question everything about the person she's become. Things only get more confusing when she meets Sean's fiance, Cassidy, who reminds her of the person she used to be. This is Allison Brie as Allie, uh, and Jay Ellis as Sean, and Kiersey Clemens as Cassidy. Uh, Danny Pudi, uh, who has been friends with Allison since their days on Community, uh, joins in as well. Uh, on some of the fun. Um, Haley Joel Osment in there, some others as well. Didn't really hear much of anything about this until just, you know, this last week, and it is out on Prime. Um, what did you guys think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Andrew? Did not like it. Okay. Susan? I liked it. I would say a little, like, higher side of liked it. I loved this movie. I, I, this is one of those movie experiences for me and I get to start because clearly I liked it more than the two of you. Um, although Susan, it sounds like you liked it quite a bit as well. Uh, I, I have this thing that happens sometimes during movies where a movie will start, we'll get a few minutes in and I'll just be like, Oh, please, please don't be this kind of move. Please don't go here. Please tell me this isn't what you're doing. And at every step of the way, this movie uh, avoided falling into those tropes and traps. And I was so pleased with the story that I was being told, with how human it was, how authentic it was, how it felt so much more in tune with modern ideas of you know what it means to love, what it means to be in a relationship, all those kind of things. Uh, this movie does so, so well. Uh, you add to that the fact that Alison Brie is just so charismatic. And she is a terrible person, hopefully trying to become less <laughs> terrible by the end of the movie. Yeah. And yet you're still drawn in because unlike what we talked about with Magic Mike, we do get to see her nuances. We do get to see those conversations where she starts to realize how she's terrible and what she's done and those kind of things. Um, I don't want to spoil any of where this movie goes because I think part of the real fun of this movie is how it uh, counteracts normal ideas of rom-coms and where you think things are going. It's a little counterintuitive. Um, but, uh, but man, I, I really, really liked, I, I believed everybody in this movie and really, mm-hmm. really liked, um, the authenticity of, of those relationships. Uh, Susan, you want to talk now, like, what are some of your general thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I think you hit on a word that I've been using the most to describe this, which is authentic. And that is, I, I know I've said it a million times how rom-coms are my favorite genre and, but like my favorite is when they can kind of reinvent it or mm-hmm. refresh it. And I think this is, that's why I was just eating this up because one, I had no idea where it was going to end. You know, we can predict a rom-com a mile away. I didn't know which, like there were so many different mm-hmm. endings I could have thought. Um, I loved Alison Bree's care. I mean, okay. You dislike her, but you also can relate to her. 
Uh, you can understand where she's coming. Like, I mean, I just, I understood her. I understood her. And I just really love the script. I thought it was funny. Like I cracked up a lot. Um, they do avoid a lot of, uh, cliche like tropes that we see in rom-coms. Um, I love the message that they're trying to say. Like it's, you know, for most, I mean, I don't know if, if that will be a spoiler if I say what the, the message well, really uh, let me, is Well, let about. me put it this way. Uh, mm-hmm. This movie, again, succeeds at the thing I think Magic Mike was trying to do with its message, right? <laughs> like, this movie is about the idea of what it means to be a fully realized uh, woman who has, uh, you know, things that they want to do, desires. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it wrestles with that in a way that both thinks of the negatives and positives to, you know, pursuing your dreams or what that might look like for you. And it puts it not only in, in relation to one female character, but two female characters. We right. see two female characters go through the nuance of what those kind of decisions mm-hmm. mean. Um, and, and it really lets the, the females lead. Um, so, yeah. 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 I just really liked how it was, you know, about rediscovering yourself and, and remembering that it is important that you are also with someone who supports your passions. Like it doesn't have to be a sacrifice of one or the other. Cause I did think that was one that it was maybe going mm-hmm. that way. Like, Oh no, I, I want that life of giving up my dream and just staying here. Mm-hmm. So I really love that it, you know, cause I was like, no, you shouldn't have to, I really, I don't know why that happens a lot in romances where some character is like, but I just want to be at home and stay here and I don't need to do my job. And I'm, obviously that's okay, but I like when we can see that somebody can do both. There's a, I think the trope has always been, look, the the truth of the matter is I see it, my worldview. There's something mm-hmm. really beautiful, beautiful about sacrificial love. There's something really yeah. beautiful about the idea of looking at somebody and going, we are a team, we are partners, mm-hmm. I love you, and therefore I'm going to give this thing up that is important to me because I know it's better for the team for us to go this direction or whatever. The problem is in a male dominated storytelling, you know, culture that we've had for a long time, it's almost always the female who is sacrificing so that the man can pursue something big and something meaning, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And so it takes the, this beautiful idea of sacrificial love and turns it into a very gendered, unfortunate thing and become sexist in that way, in my opinion. Um, So to flip that, to start to turn that, to start to understand sacrifice as it relates to humans who love each other, not just gendered humans who love each other is I think really important. And another one of the things that I, that I really liked about the movie. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Andrew, I just want to hear some thoughts. It can be negative. I know you didn't like it. So whatever, whatever's on your brain, talk about uh, somebody I used to know. Well, here's here's my big issue with this movie, and maybe you guys can help me clarify it. My, I didn't the entire time I was watching it know what type of movie this wanted to be. Like when the movie mm. first started, I thought it was going to be like Garden State, and then after that, it turned into like, oh, is this going to be a uh, Ticket to Paradise? You know, like is it going to be the classic? Uh, and it it kind of whenever I was starting to get a, a grasp on like what the movie was trying to be. Um, it would switch in my mind. I'm like, okay, so I uh, never throughout was I like comfortable in like the type of story I was being told because I never knew what type of story I was being told. Yeah, I think when those kind of things happen, um, there are two ways you can go on that. 
And I think the type of movie this wanted to be was somebody I used to know, right? It wanted to be its own thing. Like, it really doesn't feel totally like any other movie. It has bits and pieces and ideas that feel like other movies, and that's probably what you're dealing with. The other way to go mm-hmm. with that is is if the movie feels like those pieces don't fit together, like those tones don't fit together, those ideas don't fit together, then it can feel distracting and, um, and a, a bad overall experience. But I didn't feel that with this movie. I felt like all the pieces fit together. Do you feel like the pieces fit together, even though you couldn't kind of place them? Oh yeah, absolutely. It okay. was. T- it, it felt like the tones in the movie shifted, and that's what it was for me. That was like, oh, there okay, is so a it's, little bit of it. There is a little bit of a tone shift from L.A. to Leavenworth, which, by the way, I'll say, oh, yeah. uh, I'll say this right now. Uh, some of my best friends lived in Leavenworth for. Oh, that's a real place. That is a that is a real place <laughs> that really looks like that. Uh, lived that's awesome. lived there for years. It is also a tiny town. Island. Like it's. It's, it's, I don't think it's an island. Um, well, no, I was thinking of a, some other place, but yeah, you're, you're right. But it's, it's a small town. It's not like it's a, you know, a, a, a giant area. So it was really interesting to see them in Leavenworth. But I do mm. think there is a little bit of a tone shift from LA to, to the rest of the movie, basically. In almost the comedy of it, the stuff in LA is a little over the top. Like, and I think that's intentional. Like, we mentioned the breakfast flavored ice cream sandwiches or <laughs> some of the jokes in that those first five to 10 minutes. Uh, the way the reality show is kind of portrayed is really kind of over the top, almost satire. It's so over the yeah. top. Um, so that was a little bit of shifting down for me. I do think it's intentional. I think we're supposed to mm-hmm. see Los Angeles as this over the top, you know, satirized place. Whereas Leavenworth is like, oh, here's, here's where we find humanity and authenticity mm-hmm. and those kind of things. Um, so that was the tone shift that, that I felt, Yeah, but I think it was too bad. Yeah. I didn't mind it. I didn't feel like the tone shifted too far off for me because I always felt like there was a little bit not dark, but maybe a little bit heavier than like a really bright romantic comedy. But again, that made me feel like I was walking into a romantic comedy that was realistic, Mm -hmm. like, like almost like kind of like a 500 days of summer vibe for me. Mm. Like those kinds of just like, I don't know. And I I think that it touches, I may even make the joke, like you're not going to like my best friend wedding Mm -hmm. (laughs) me or whatever. And, uh, but which I don't, I don't think they like copied that at all either. So I, I, I like, I, I agree. I think it just wants to be its own film, and I do, they do a good job of that. It also does this amazing job at turning your audience motivations on their head. So in most mm-hmm. rom-coms you go into, the thing the movie wants the audience to root for is a relationship, right? The mm-hmm. thing it tries to make the audience root for through a meet-cute and then uh, things that keep them apart and then, oh, let's get them. Hopefully they'll get back to, you know, like the idea is the movie wants us to root for uh, a relationship. Other rom-coms that are like this, the movie wants us to pick a side. They want us to go, yeah. okay, who are you rooting for? What is your, mm-hmm. you know, who do you want to be together in this movie to see romance between? This movie 
hints at both of those things before going, you know what we want our audience to do is to care about these characters and want them to grow. That is such a Mm -hmm. really interesting shift that happens in this movie that by the end, I'm not rooting for any particular relationship necessarily. I'm just rooting for all of these characters to figure things out and to grow and to know who they are. That's tricky. And I think the movie pulls it off pretty well. So I really appreciate that. I agree. About the movie. Mm-hmm. Here's my biggest issue with the movie. I don't think Sean is a good character. Mm, I think interesting. Really? Yeah. Uh, we can at the risk just... of being spoilerish, whenever okay. Allie gets into town and, uh, you know, she's sitting at that bar and they have that initial meeting and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they go out and they have this great night, you know, they get giant pretzels and they go uh, uh, dancing in like the town square and everything. Mm-hmm. He's getting married. In a week, and he's out here flirting with his ex. It, I think it, you're feeling exactly the things the movie wants you to be feeling. I don't think that's yeah. accidental. I mean, he's not the only a, nor like he, messed up, authentic person in this movie, though. <laughs> right. I would say a lot of people would say Allison Bree's character is really unlikable. Well, like, yeah. I mean, she. Oh, she is. Just, right. <laughs> so it's like I think you're right that he's. But again, I think by the end of it, they explain well enough why the characters were the way they I think were. it feels like, to, very authentic. I think yeah. none of his decisions feel over like mustache twirly or over no. the top. Like it feels authentically like what a human being might do if confronted with the situation he was confronted mm-hmm. with. Is it a wrong choice? Yeah. I think we'd all say it's a wrong choice, uh, but it definitely feels like a choice somebody might make. Even a person who's typically a good person might make that choice. Yeah. You know, like that's it's just they, these characters are also they're human. They're right, not exactly. the typical rom-com characters who like usually the the male lead, like you think of like 27 dresses or something. And the boss that she was going after was just Mr. Perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, not a single thing wrong with him. I mean, these we're not perfect. So uh, I appreciated that about the movie. Even honestly, even his own fiance wasn't that like perfect agree. herself. I agree. She I had th- her flaws too. Yeah, I think I think it's really uh, again. I just come away from it going. I don't know that I've ever seen. That's probably too much of an exaggeration. That's a bit of hyperbole. But it's it's very rare to see a movie treat its characters with this level of authenticity and humanity in a rom com like this. It's usually a lot yeah. more cookie cutter. And I have to add, just because I mentioned Five Hundred Days of Summer, and I know. I don't know if Joseph Gordon-Levitt's mentioned this. I know I've seen him mentioned in interviews and stuff, but it's a very like one-sided point of view. Like, a, you know, like you mm-hmm. automatically root for Tom. Oh, but yeah. in reality, if you really watch it back, like, is he not the problem because he's not listening mm-hmm. to Summer? It's just, I think this film does a really good job of showing all points of view to where I can see where all the characters are in the wrong or in the right. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like it's... I don't feel like even though it's obviously Alison Bree's character, I don't think it's just like, I mean, we don't not naturally root for her. We could, but we don't. We root, I don't know who we root for. We just, like you said. We root we for Julie Haggerty is who we root for. <laughs> Always root for Julie Haggerty. Always. Always root for Julie Haggerty. That's one of our uh, primary uh, laws here at, yes. uh, at Sif Pop. Um, yeah. What else do we want to talk about in this movie? I don't, I don't want to give things away. We won't do a SIF spoil on it. It's not like there's a lot necessarily to talk about that we need to spoil. Um, but I also don't want to kind of ruin your own experience if you haven't seen it of kind of Mm -hmm. what goes on. 
Um, I think this movie's really funny. I guess we haven't talked about mm-hmm. the humor. I laughed quite a bit in this movie. Um, laughed a lot. And yeah. I think that is uh, very difficult to do sometimes. So many of the side characters, <laughs> the idea that, that her mom is always having sex at their house and she just always happens to be walking in on it. Like, it's just, it's... It's oh. there's just some really funny things like that um, in this movie. So. I love Haley Joel Osment's movie references. Oh, Haley Joel Osment is hilarious in this He's movie. So good. He's so Brendan good. Brendan Fraser, blast yes. from the past. And it's, again, it's died. so good because you know somebody like that. I am kind of like yeah. that. Like you know that person who in in the movie does has such a good balance. Of be mm-hmm. of being like rolling your eyes at that person, but also kind of inside, kind of giggling. Like you know, it it is kind of funny and. Um, I just I the movie is so devoid of the big moment where the big conflict is set up, you know, where it's like, oh, but then, you know, I guess the only place would be maybe the parents of the the bride stuff. But I think the movie very smartly just uses that as a plot piece as opposed to trying to make it like full backstory. It just allows it to be a reference point to what's going on with the main characters. Um, but as far as like having like the, the best friend who, you know, gets angry and messes things up or the family doesn't quite like this person, but they like this person, like everybody just was kind of being awesome, you know, normal people and uh, just kind of doing awesome, normal stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I think the movie really handled that, uh, handled that stuff well. Yeah. And I will mention, maybe it's my one last thing. If you guys have anything else you want to mention, feel free. I will mention it's my one last thing, that revelation I had that this movie also separates nudity from sexuality in the opposite direction. Uh, literally as a major plot point of this movie uh, is the idea of that nudity doesn't have to mean sexuality. And um, mm-hmm. I just, I find that really interesting how the two movies we reviewed today are related <laughs> Uh, in so so many different ways. Um, Why wasn't our best ever challenge best nudist movies? <laughs> <laughs> best non-sexual nudity uh, in yeah. movies? Um, yeah, no, that's that's an interesting topic. Um, and honestly, yeah. again, back to the repression thing, we could do a much better job at understanding the human body is not inherently sexual. Like, it's okay, people. Like, um, so, yeah. Um, you guys have any uh, last things? Uh, Olga Meredith, who plays uh, Jojo, the the mother. Yeah. Every single time I see her in something, I just I I just want to give her a big hug. Yeah, she seems so best. awesome. Yeah. Like yeah, in the Heights, great. I fell in love with her yeah. when she was the abuela. Mm. And here, she mm-hmm. just she has a loving presence to her, and uh, yeah. she just yeah. makes me smile whenever I see her on screen. It's so another really realistic character, and, and with both her and I love again that that's another thing. It would be very easy to make her character like Alison Brie and be like not into or one or the other. Like, I mean, she could have liked one or the other more, but she loved the fiance and she still had that great relationship with Alison Brie. So it's just like, it's just nice to see yeah, that. There's none of, of that going false like, tension. There's none of that yeah. like cooking up conflict that doesn't have to be there uh, kind right. of stuff. Again, so authentic. Yeah, yeah. I also, I guess I also have to mention Franco. Uh, I think he, he mm. is a good director. And I think a lot of the he choices is. that are made here, a lot of the performances that he's getting and choosing in the, in the edit room or whatever are really great choices. Um, there are some things done here, and this is probably more in the writing, which he, you know, wrote again, co-wrote this with Allison. Um, there's some really interesting things, how, uh, Allison's job as a, a reality show, um, 
I guess, showrunner, but we're seeing a lot of the skills of a reality show producer, which, by the way, are two different things. Usually the, the showrunners for reality sh- shows aren't the one producing like the interview segments and those kind of things. But there is this thing I've heard some of them talk about as a producer, how you get good interviews out of people, right? And this movie takes that actual specific skill from her job and makes it an integral part of the movie. And, ha- and some, there mm-hmm. are several moments where we see uh, something done in that way and then a very powerful moment where it's reversed. And I just mm-hmm. think that's really smart and and really well done. So um, props on the actual like movie making part of it too. I think Franco deserves uh, some of that. And just, uh, and yeah. even just, I mean, is I guess as funny as maybe that kind of coda at the nudist, you know, place is supposed to be, it's also really meaningful and plays oh, yeah. right into what the movie is saying in in a couple different well uh, ways. And um, man, I just left this movie so impressed. I really did. I, I yeah. love this movie. I think it's really well done. So it's really um, good. I agree. One I would uh, definitely check out if you're a rom-com person. Ask yourself if you are a PG-13 rom-com person or a rated R rom-com person, because this is definitely a rated R rom-com, just, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, so you know that going into it. Um, But that is somebody I used to know on Prime. Oh, by the way, I was very disappointed that song wasn't in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that would have, I would not have liked that. I I can't, every time, I I mean, it pops into my head every time I hear hear the title, but I, I guess I'll mention since you brought it up. I think the soundtrack to this movie is pretty great too. There's some amazing songs yeah. and they're used really, Third really well. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm getting the uh, Garden State vibes from this movie. Yeah, sure, is sure. It's very, you know, that upper New Englandish, you know, mm-hmm. rainyish weather. Yeah. And then an awesome indie soundtrack. Yep. Yeah. It's good. Uh, before we head on to the best ever challenge, want to uh, say thank you to our Sifpop members and let you know that the members only pre-show is now the members only Ormsby pre-show or Moops. Uh, Andrew Ormsby has taken over the members only pre-show. So if you are a Sifpop member, <laughs> member uh, this week you will get to hear a fun trivia game that we did. Uh, you will get to hear some more drunk Sifpop if you enjoy that lots of fun stuff and maybe even the return of do we care um so uh yeah our members getting some fun stuff uh check out what that is at patreon.com slash and really just thanks for uh liking what we do enough to throw a couple bucks our way that's really humbling and means the world to us um so uh so yeah check that out patreon.com slash as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
All right, best ever challenge today is best ever dance movies. Now, I will say this is not best ever movies that have a lot of dancing in them. This is best ever movies where the dancing is part of the actual plot. It means yeah. something to the movie, uh, not just that people dance. So, you know, people know my number one movie of all time, Singing in the Rain. Not really in this category. It's not a dance <laughs> movie. It is a movie with oh. some amazing dancing, but it is not a dance movie. So, Well, whoops. <laughs> Did you misunderstand the task at hand, Andrew? Well, apparently, because the min movie just mentioned is on my list. So. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, there you go. We'll get into it. We'll go from number five to number one. And as always, if you have it higher, Trump! you can trump <laughs> it. Uh, I'll start us off at number five. Susan, you've already mentioned these movies. Uh, my number five is Step Up. I think the original Step yeah. Up is a good movie and uh, a really great introduction to one of the most uh compelling and charismatic uh, actors we have i think channing tatum is uh great in step up and there's some great dancing and uh it's a lot of fun so step up came in at my number five uh andrew what is your number five my number five we're going all the way back to 1984 with kevin bacon and footloose yeah that's a good choice yeah Susan, it's, you can trump that it's not a trump because it's my five there you go we'll talk okay. about it now yeah. There we go. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I honestly still like the other one too, even the new version, because I really love Miles Teller. Yeah. <laughs> so I really like him in that movie. But yeah, this was a this was a great movie. I mean, iconic, really. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It. There was no way it wasn't going to make my list. It's. It's just. Yeah. It's. Yeah. Like you said, it's iconic, and I think that the idea of a town banning rock music and dancing is so ridiculous now for our current times but to think back you know back in the day yeah that was that was plausible and it's interesting yeah. to to visit a world like that that seems so foreign I grew up mm -hmm. in a world like that. Uh, yeah. Did you really? Uh, well, dancing was. You couldn't listen to no, music. No, I could listen to music. Rock music? Um, no, but dancing was definitely verboten. Uh, so, so yeah. Mm. Um, let's go with your. Oh, I guess it's back to me your then because both of you four. had. Yeah, both of you had that at number five. It was one of my honorable mentions, by the way. Um, my number four is Billy Elliot. Um, I think this is a beautiful movie, well worth seeing. Um, so, uh, basically follows the story of this boy learning what it, you know, means to love dancing and deals with gender issues and all sorts of interesting things. So, um, and it's just really well done. Very compelling, very emotional, very captivating. I highly recommend Billy Elliot. I just wish, you know, things would have turned out differently for this Tom Holland character. He really yeah. deserved his, he just never got his big break. It would have been nice, it would have been nice to see Tom Holland uh, continue to do movies, but yeah. um, but this was this was it for them, and that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, Andrew, what is your number four? My number four is Silver Linings Playbook. Oh, good choice. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good choice. I do think that, you know, Dang. the the, the dance there. at the very end and, you know, the, the working on the choreography isn't, you know, simply just there for flavor. It's actually a narrative moment in the movie. But I think that stripping all that aside, I think that Silver Linings Playbook is one of the best examples we have of a movie that does mental, mental illness right. That mm -hmm. it's the struggle internally that some people might call subtle but if you if you know what you're looking for uh you see a lot of stuff on people's face that can let you know if they're hurting or not and i yeah. think that not only bradley cooper does an amazing job but i think that jennifer lawrence gives just absolutely stellar 
uh, in this. Definitely uh, so Oscar Oscar worthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, all right, Susan, what is your number four? Well, I messed up. I meant I totally forgot that this was I wasn't paying attention. And so I should have trumped your number five because it's step up the first one. I, was, <laughs> I totally blanked that I had that on here. Yeah. I, I did enjoy that because I think the first one was pretty solid. It was a decent story. And I think Channing Tatum most excels in his dancing more than his acting. So I really enjoy when he dances. Well, you know, early in his career, but He's worked on it, and he's a really he's good. He's getting now. better. He is getting better. Like if you watch him in this movie, it's I don't think that's a good reflection of his acting. I think in Magic Mike Last Dance, he's uh, improved just in general. Um, but yeah. I, I, yeah, I was glad to see he was such a great dancer. Uh, all right, on to our number threes. Uh, in at number three, I have Happy Feet. Uh, in at number three, so. Uh, that is uh, uh, the – why did I just forget the director's name, Andrew? Because names escape me. Oh, oh, uh, George uh, Miller, right? Or, yeah, George Miller. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, the Mad guy Max who Fury did Road. Mad Max Fury Road. And Happy Feet. <laughs> and Happy Feet, yeah. Polar uh, So, yeah. So, Happy Feet is uh, a lot of fun. And I think I love the dancing in this movie. Um, I love the choreography of these penguins, I think is really fun. Um, so, uh, the story, eh, it's, you know, it's the story, but the, but this movie's really good. So yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Uh, I actually haven't seen it. You never seen Happy Feet? Really? Oh, you should check it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good movie. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. On to your number three, Andrew. Might get trumped. Uh, this is where I have Dirty Dancing. Oh, no, it was in my honorable mentions. Okay. Um, This is a movie that will also get you hot and bothered by the dancing in it. (laughs) And uh, no, I think that the chemistry between Jennifer Grey and Patrick Swayze is like next level. It's it's just so good. Yeah. Uh, It is good. Yeah, I think it's definitely worth a mention for sure. Uh, All right, Susan, what do you got at number three? I've got West Side Story, but the 2021 version oh, because I am not. Yeah, I think the I've seen the original and it bored me. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Now, now how <laughs> is this? How is this uh, about dancing? The, I just like the dancing in it. They do a lot of dancing I, when okay, they're so like. This is this is what I'm saying. Does it have to be? A, I thought the rule was that that they had dancing. No, in li- it. It literally, what dance? I just said was it's not about movies that have dancing in them. It is about oh, movies shoot. that feature dancing uh, in the movie. Like, then I like, misunderstood like that. Like dancing I is it was a narrative just... plot point to it. Right. Yes, is something. Yeah, that's actually like you know, is the word diegetic? Like when music is diegetic, it means it's actually happening oh. in like you know the actual so, universe kind of thing. So like, I, yeah, as I opposed to a music. I guess this word. is the same. This is the same goof as uh, putting. I didn't put dance uh, singing in the rain, but I guess that might be a thing. There's just so much dancing in this There's movie. There's lots of dancing, and I and okay, let's and, let's let's go here. I mean, the lot of the plot centers on an actual dance at the high school. Like it's not you know. Yeah. So there is a big well, dancing the dancing. Scene. The dancing in this movie is is 
like telling a story. Like, I mean, like they're it's, correct. It's almost the dialogue. It's almost like dialogue. So correct. I just naturally, but that's a hyper realistic thing. That's not a, that's not something that really happens in, you know, the streets of New York. Right. Like, no, right. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Susan, I'm going to be your ally. On whereas this one. the, no, I, I want to be an ally here as well. Because <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I said it. The, the, the high school stuff is diegetic, so to speak. The, the stuff, the dance at the high school is an actual dance that would authentically possibly be happening in the universe. So I think we, can, I think true. we can count that. So yeah, it's- I, I just, I, I remembered when, we, when that came up, I just thought about how much I liked the choreography in this film. That's part of the reason it like blew me away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but yeah, that's why I picked it. But I guess I didn't completely understand the rules. <laughs> it's so good, though. So. It's it's always worth mentioning. It's great dance. It's so much dancing. Uh, According right. to Aaron, West Side Story is very diuretic. Yeah. Uh, no, that is not the word I used. But uh, it's very diabetic. Yeah. Yes, you're getting closer or further yeah. away, depending. Uh, <laughs> all right, on to our number twos. My number two is Black Swan. Uh, uh, Aaron, if you wouldn't mind. Trump. Thank All right. you. I guess we know where you have that. Uh, what is your number two, Andrew? <laughs> well, I guess I didn't fully under because uh, this is where I have singing in the rain. But I thought mm-hmm. that that was like part of their job. Like, isn't Moses supposes? You've seen this movie a million times, Aaron. Uh-huh. Isn't yeah. Moses supposes them choreographing a, a scene for the movie? No, it is them oh. trying to learn how to speak properly, um, to oh. to say things with proper diction and in those kind of things. So, well, what yeah. about at the very end of the movie when we see him dancing with the woman with the long shawl? Yep, yep. isn't that sure. like a recording for that? That is that is a little bit metaphorical, but the actual scene at the end where like the gotta dance, like that yeah. that whole thing, that is like part of a movie that they're making. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so. It's your number one. You just didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I took a much stricter uh, view of the category. You did. But that's, you but did. that's okay. That's okay. Uh, uh, so that would be Susan's number two then. Well, I hope this still counts. Um, I know my one is safe, but uh, <laughs> I picked the greatest showman. But I mean, that they're actually dancing no, in their show, pick. right? It's fine. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> Great. Yes. Greatest showman. <laughs> they're dancing in their show. Like, I think that's that's what uh-huh. they're doing. Yeah. So, um, and that's the that's the image that comes to me is just the opening number is they're like, uh, just them dancing. And then, um, and they dance at the end too. So <laughs> they're, they're doing that. But I mean, I just love The Greatest Showman. I think it's such an amazing movie and it's one of my favorite cinematic experiences as well i bought the soundtrack like immediately immediately, yeah right when i got off like out of the movie so yeah yeah we need more man we need more movies that champion great people like (laughs) and andrew's trolling me right now andrew is trying so hard to get me to go off on this movie and i'm not gonna do it yeah Uh, (laughs) not gonna happen i just it's just it's I like mm-hmm. it. No, 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 it's, you. It's no in, honestly, it's I am one hundred percent with you, Susan. Objectively, like this movie is, it could possibly be the greatest musical of all time if they hadn't named him P.T. Barnum. <laughs> sure, I know, I know his backstory. I know he's not a good person, but just as the movie, it's like, so good, it's the, so good, so good. Mm-hmm. The music is incredible. It is. The music is absolutely insane. It's so good. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, on to our number ones. If you know me, you already know what my number one is going to be. It is Swing Kids. Uh, this is one of this is a movie that Aaron and pretty much only Aaron Aaron champions. The Aryans? Uh, oh no, <laughs> that is <laughs> very unintentional. Yeah. Uh, especially considering the subject matter of the movie itself. Yeah, seriously, uh, taking place in World War II Germany. Uh, and this is about two friends, one of whom joins the Nazi youth and uh, the other who doesn't, and how swing dancing is a part of their common love and uh, can bring the world together. Uh, it stars a young Christian Bale uh, doing some amazing work and Robert Sean Leonard as the uh, two main characters. It still to this day does not have a high definition release. Uh, it is uh, still only available on DVD or streaming at a lower quality. Um, so keeping my fingers crossed that somebody will give this the the 4K upgrade. Never happening, but uh, but hope that it that it might. So Swing Kids uh, is my number one. You can you can learn some editing software yourself. You know do some well but i don't have access to the like original prints or anything to do like a full you know high scan res how hard can that be <laughs> yeah yeah uh andrew what is your number one i think we know yes uh aronofsky is coming back he's taking me with black swan i think that the performance natalie portman gives in black swan is like one of the greatest performances ever put to screen she's asked You're right. so much Mm -hmm. uh, forgive me if I'm wrong. Didn't she do this movie while she was pregnant? And yes, and that that's just absolutely crazy. What what she uh, put uh, her her th herself through physically, mentally. Uh, this had to be such a demanding film for her. Yeah. Uh, I think that Aronofsky is a visual master, and I think that is just on full display here. Uh, truly a terrifying movie. It really is so unsettling, but it's also the performances everywhere. It is just, this is movie magic, if you ask me. It's really good. Um, I yeah. had it as my number two, uh, and um, Aronofsky is an artist's artist, so to speak. He definitely does some interesting things, uh, and what is real and what isn't. Um, but man, you cannot help but get the tone and mood that he is trying to give you. He's really, really good at communicating through the movie, through visuals, uh, how he wants you to feel and you feel the way he wants you to feel. Uh, These are really the type impressive. of horror films that I love. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a horror. Yeah, I think this is a psychological, <laughs> psychological horror thriller. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Totally. yeah. Uh, no, I agree. All right, so, Susan, what's Susan. your number one? Yeah. Um, I would have put Black Swan. I probably should have swapped that for West Side Story. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my number one, I was so excited to put it on here. Center Stage. Love this movie nice. so much. I will watch. If, if I see it on a streaming, like it doesn't matter, I'll watch it again. <laughs> I don't know what it is about this movie, but it gives me so much like nostalgia and feel good. I guess it's like, I mean, it's a rom-com, but like with dancing, a lot of dancing. Uh, it's incredible dancing. It also shows the difficulties of ballet dancing and the trying to keep weight and the, the way how difficult the uh, teachers can be. Um, but I don't know. I just really love this movie. That is center stage is Susan's number one. 
Uh, all right, one thing left, guys. Let's talk about some buried treasure. Uh, what is that one thing in any area of pop culture you want to make sure people know about? Susan, you're the guest, so you will go last. Andrew, kick us off. I'm going to go with a song, believe it or not. I'm getting a lot more into music now. Different. Yeah. Uh, this is a song. It's a, it's a uh, cover of Massive Attack's Teardrop. Uh, it's being covered by a young woman named Aurora, uh, who I'd never heard of before. But her voice is so absolutely perfect for this song. If you know the song, uh, Teardrop is it was the the song for House. It was House's intro song. Uh, it's it's very haunting and chilling. And this is a very stripped down bare live cover. It's just her, a keyboard, a guitar, and I don't know what they're called, but they're the the percussion boxes that you sit on and you tap. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. yeah, it's a very, very just stripped down bones song, but her voice ca- carries the song and it makes it so eerie and haunting. It's absolutely beautiful. And the fact that it's done live makes it that much better. Just live in a studio. Yeah. Um, that nice. sounds really, really fun. Um, yeah, I have to look it up. Yeah. Uh, those percussion boxes are called cajones, uh, by the way. So, uh, <laughs> look at my cajones. No, 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 and, Andrew, no. See, why? Why? Because uh, you made me do it. I did. I did. All right. Uh, my buried treasure is a reality show on uh, Netflix. Imagine me talking about reality television. Uh, it is Physical 100. This is a Korean show. Um, I've been wanting to watch this. Please tell me it's good. <laughs> it's not. It's not good. Uh, <laughs> oh. No, 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 no. It's interesting. So I think conceptually it's interesting enough for me to stay tuned. Uh, and so I continue to have it on. Um, the concept is that it starts with 100 very physically fit people. The The entire conceit of the show is the idea of what body type is the most athletic or strongest. And so they have every person who is a part of this has done a plaster cast of their upper body. And those plaster casts are displayed in like a museum kind of setting and, you know, almost like a Michelangelo's David, you know, kind of situation mm. uh, without the full frontal nudity. Uh, and so each of these represents, not just represents, but is the torso of one of the contestants. And then they compete in a series of challenges uh, to see who will win. And the winners continue on, and the losers have to take a sledgehammer to their to- torso uh, because they they are not uh, the you know their body type is not you know the, the fittest or or whatever. It sounds a lot like that. Uh, what was that? Uh, it wasn't Ink Master, but it was kind of like the body painting show. Oh yeah, Skin Wars. I think <laughs> yeah, is what skin. that was called. Yeah. yeah. After you got eliminated, you had to go wash the body. <laughs> it was very awkward. Yeah. <laughs> was- yes. Yeah. That's right. Uh, so, anyways, uh, there are lots of different kinds of like some of the the strong people are more like linebacker strong. Some of them are more martial arts strong. Some of them are mountain climbing strong. There's a baseball player. In fact, the baseball player is the only American in the show. He plays baseball over in Korea. Uh, and so every once in a while, I'll be like, hey, somebody's speaking English. I was like, it's always that guy. Um, but, uh, but anyhow, 
the concept is very, very interesting. The execution is so-so. Mm, I don't think that... that the is definitely produced in a different way than I'm used to seeing most competition reality shows produced here. For, like I'll American Ninja Warrior? Right, yes. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, there is a very common type of editing that happens, I believe, uh, in in more of kind of the Asian editing mindset that is this idea that you show the same thing over and over again, but not only do you show it over and over again, you play the audio over and over again. So it's this weird effect of like hearing the same audio, you know, four different times yeah. in a row as you see the thing from four different angles um so it's 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 much more stripped down in that way and feels underproduced to me um i've gotten used to it a little bit uh but it's it's, it's i don't necessarily like it it's also they take so long on every one of these challenge challenges um it's almost like a, i would have rather have just uh had a, a website where i could pick the challenges I wanted to watch and just watch the whole thing the way it's edited because it's not compiled in a way to really emphasize the more fun moments or fun challenges as they happen because there's a hundred people here and the fact that they start off with these one-on-one -on -one battles to eliminate 50 of the people and show us every single one of the 50 battles like it's just I just don't think that's great production because they're not all you know that interesting you can just put a graphic up and show me who won for ones that aren't that interesting um but well, you're selling me Aaron, on this well good no that's that's fine i you know <laughs> it may be more enjoyable to you i don't enjoy the production on it um i i think that you're not selling I, me the, the challenges <laughs> aren't as interesting as i want them to be uh i'm only four episodes in uh in and still have only seen one challenge or maybe two maybe two challenges. So it's like, when I say challenges, I mean, you know, the, the, sure, like the, the levels, you yeah. know, kind of thing. So there's, there's lots more to be told, uh, that I'm going to watch. It's very squid game formatted. Mm -hmm. Uh, in other words, it feels a lot like squid game. They all come in and stand on numbers. And, um, so yeah, I, it, the concept enough is keeping me hooked, but, uh, but I'm not a huge fan of the, the production. So Physical 100 uh, is on Netflix. Um, Susan! Also, another interesting, before we head to oh. Susan, I, I will just say, uh, I think it's really great for me to watch a show like this that is produced in Korea with uh, 100 contestants. Because, like I said, I, I'm going to say 95 of the 100 of them are Koreans. And it's it's interesting for me to watch something where I feel like the minority and to have that idea of wait a second why am i rooting for the white guy like why is that happening right now like how do identity like those kind of things they're just kind of built into us in some ways and uh it's been a really interesting and, and fun mental experiment for for me to to watch um and i've 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 really appreciated that part of it so uh so anyhow i wanted to mention that as well uh, Susan, what is your buried treasure? Uh, mine is Shotgun Wedding on Prime Video, another Prime Video movie uh, starring Jennifer Lopez and Josh Duhamel. Uh, I was just so pleasantly surprised with this one. I thought it was—I thought I was going in to just like 
I guess I didn't really pay attention to the rating because this is a very R movie because of the graphic violence. Like it's, it's comical violence, but um, I don't know. JLo is definitely a, uh, I guess I can't, I don't know if I can say <laughs> like she kicks butt in this movie and I enjoyed her and J- uh, Jennifer Coolidge plays Josh Duhamel's mom in this film. And she, I mean, she's on fire lately anyways, which as she should be, I'm so happy to see her get the recognition that she's deserved for so long, but she is so dang funny in this movie. Every line she gives is like the funniest thing I've heard her say in a long time. So I mean, it's still corny, don't get me wrong, and there's going to be some predictable stuff, but there are a few twists that may not be predictable. So uh, I think it's another fun, um, in addition to somebody I used to know, I feel like somebody I used to know, uh, couples and singles can appreciate, and then couples, if you just want a lighthearted, happy, fun film to watch this Valentine's Day, Shotgun Wedding. There you go, Shotgun Wedding. Check it out. That is Susan's Buried Treasure. Well, we did it, guys. We managed Woo. to do a podcast. Congratulations yeah, to all involved. Yeah. Uh, you didn't maybe get your plumber or your ballerina, but you did manage to entertain. <laughs> so, uh, so well done. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Force If Pop It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. Well, thank you, buddy. Big thanks to producer Phil for producing the audio and video show. Thanks, mm-hmm. Phil. Big thanks to Susan for coming Woo. in again today. Uh, Susan, tell thank people you. where they can find you. Find me at thischicksflicks.com or I'm on the socials at thischicksflicks. That is thischicksflicks with X's for chicks and flicks. Uh, thischicksflicks.com to check out Susan's work. Uh, appreciate you, Susan. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Thank you. Uh, much love me. and gratitude to our Sif Pop members as well for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. Uh, support starts at three bucks a month. You can check out all the different things, including the bonus episodes. For some of our members, um, you can uh, check that all out at patreon.com slash Thanks for looking at that. Lots of ways to connect with us. You can leave a comment, a rating, or a review at Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. You can also email us. Yes, we still have email. Feedback at sifpop.com if uh, you want to do that. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too. So make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than maintaining a positive body image while watching Mike and his friends do their magic. Uh, We will be back next week with Ant-Man and some other stuff. So we will see you then. Bye. Bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 